take an active, interested role in your pet's veterinary visits. Take a really collaborative approach and together we're going to be able to make sure that your pet either stays as healthy as possible or the chance of your dog or cat being returned to full health as quickly as possible really is optimized. Welcome to the Call the Vet Show, the podcast that helps pet parents understand and optimize the health of their furry family so they can live the full and happy life you want for them. And here's your host, veterinarian Dr. Alex Avery. Hello, 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 my champion pet parents. Welcome to another episode of the Call the Vet Show. If we've not met before, then I'm veterinarian Dr. Alex. I'm a veterinarian in New Zealand, originally from the UK, and I'm here on this podcast to bring you the information that you really need to know about to make sure that your pet is as happy as possible, most both physically and mentally healthy, and can live the full life that you want for them. Because our pets are part of the family. That's really what I strongly believe. Clearly, I wouldn't be doing this job if I didn't. And we had a little bit of an incident this week. Uh, Molly, one of our cats, we've got two cats, Molly and Millie, they're sisters. They are, oh, time flies, they're four years old now. Um, Molly went missing for about 36 hours. Um, you know, she'll often go out, We so they're outdoor cats, or they indoor-outdoor cats, so we do let them come and go. They have a microchip cat flap, so that only they can come in and out, and that's certainly a problem that I've had in the past with other cats coming in, not in our current house, but in another, in another one. Anyway, they can come and go, and it's often that they're out all day and we don't really see them. Um, but one evening we realised, hang on a minute, where's, where's Molly? Oh, well, you know, she's sometimes out a little bit later, so we aren't, weren't too worried. But she is definitely there in the morning for her breakfast every single time, and she wasn't. So, long story short, I jumped on Facebook quickly to leave a message in our local community board, which is a really active, um, you know, great community that we live in. And, and the Facebook forum is a really active place to leave messages and, and to get responses. And very quickly, we had a few responses. Um, I asked people to check their sheds. And sure enough, she was found in someone's shed. So what also happened is that my wife, Amy, she went round to the neighbours and she asked them if they'd seen anyone. And actually, she could hear Molly calling. She's got quite a distinctive meow. Or certainly to us, it sounds very distinctive. We could hear her calling. So she tracked down the garage that that was. Um, an interesting thing happened though is clearly she wanted out because she was making a lot of noise but as soon as that garage was opened you'd have expected her to shoot out she didn't actually she was missed to start with and it was only just by poking and prodding and nosing around that uh, Amy could actually see her and then convince her to to come to her and we could get her back home so that's something to really bear in mind if you do lose your dog or your cat that they might not come to you even if they see you because they're scared they're in an unusual place we also had Millie, Millie, Molly, I should say, microchipped. So I was confident that if she had been taken to the vets, they would have given us a call. Um, I work out of my hometown, kind of where I live. I work in a different town, um, but I was confident. And I know the vets here anyway. I knew that they would have got in contact with us. But anyway, crisis averted. She was found. We were all very relieved to see her. And yeah, she's currently curled up in front of the fire, um, warming herself in the horrendous weather that we're having. It's torrential rain the frogs are croaking in the garden so they're enjoying it um, but I think uh, yeah not much is going to be happening outside tomorrow that's for sure and now on with the show but anyway 
that's enough about me. Let's get into today's episode. I want to talk to you about how you can get the most out of a vet visit. Now, you might think it's the vet's job to examine your pet, to recommend the diagnostics, to recommend the treatment trials. And, you know, sometimes pet owners take a little bit of a back seat, but actually that can really severely, that can really seriously impact the ability of your vet to do their job properly. There's a few key things that you can do that you can bring to the table to provide the key to unlocking your pet's health. And today I want to dive into the nine main steps that I think you need to consider when it comes to taking your dog or cat to the vet so that you can get the best out of it, you can get the best value for money, the best bang for your buck, but also your pet can your pet's health problems can be resolved much more quickly and potentially much less expensively. And so at number one, I've got low stress planning for your pet. So in a way, this is a little bit of a a cheating one because it's not relevant at the time when you take your pet into the vet, or it needs to be thought of ahead of time, I should say. But really, we need to consider how we can keep that those stress levels that your dog or cat can experience at the vets as low as possible. And this comes with a lot of prior planning. Ideally, as soon as you get your pet, whether it's a puppy or a kitten or an older dog, as soon as you get them, you're making plans to acclimatise them to the journey to the vet clinic. Get them used to the vet clinic. Actually, ideally, have them think of it as a place where they can have fun, where they get treats, where they enjoy going. And that might sound far-fetched depending on how your pet currently acts. But actually, I see it time and again when we've had kittens come in for socialisation visits, uh, where we've had puppies come into puppy preschool, when we're all making a fuss of them, our reception staff, our nursing team, technicians, the vets are making a fuss, they're giving them treats, giving them lots of pats and cuddles. Actually, they really love coming to the vet clinic and it can be the place where they know that they're going to get lots of attention. So no wonder they love it. But conversely, if your pet only ever goes in the car when they go to the vet clinic it happens once a year when they have their annual health check and maybe their vaccination and they really don't like that journey they're wound up by the time they get to the vet clinic it's no wonder they're then really stressed and then they get poked and prodded by a complete stranger or they're not feeling very well anyway and they're doing things they're having things done to them that they don't particularly or they're not particularly comfortable with it's no wonder they get really scared really anxious and that only gets worse if we don't take steps to try and reduce the stress levels now if you've got a vet who is very fear aware or fear anxiety and stress aware there is a whole movement called the fear free movement and I've got a whole episode on that Um, I'm not sure of the number off the top of my head but I'll leave that in the in the show notes so you can definitely check that out to find out some of the other strategies but if we've got from my point of view if I've got a patient who is not stressed out they're more likely to show some of the signs and symptoms that you might have been seeing at home they're also going to be much more amenable to a really thorough examination without masking hiding signs of discomfort so I'm going to be able to get more information from my patient if they're not stressed we're also going to be able to do more without having to jump straight into sedation so that is going to have an impact on cost on potential safety as well so definitely thinking ahead to try and reduce stress levels is really really important okay so number two And this one is, again, a little bit of a cheat, and it can be very difficult given the times that we live in currently, certainly over the last 18 months. But I would encourage you, wherever possible, to actually be present for your pet's 
veterinary visit. Now, if your vet is still doing curbside treatment or that becomes a, another thing that we have to consider again in the future, you may not be able to be physically present, but you can be present on the phone at the time that your vet is examining your pet. It may be that they can do a video call while they are examining your pet so they can talk you through what they're finding and ask you questions at the time. Unfortunately, we do sometimes need to have pets dropped off to the vet clinic because their owners are not able to to come and see us because of work, because they're not well. And unfortunately, sometimes we're not then able to get them on the phone until the very end of the day, maybe when they're coming to pick up their pet. Equally, sometimes it's a friend or a neighbour who offers to to take your pet for their routine appointment. Or if you've got a, a bit of a minor problem and you're not all that concerned, you think, well, that's all right, someone else can take them and I'll you know let them know. I'll write a few sentences of what the problem is um, and they can let me know what the vet suggests. Unfortunately, that makes it really, really difficult to get good information. You can't rely on somebody else to provide a full history, to be able to remember everything that you've told them. All of the intricate details that your vet might ask you about, they're not going to be able to do that. Equally, if they can't chat to you on the phone, we're losing half of the information that we can potentially receive. So I tend to think that actually when an animal's presented to me, I get half of my information from my physical examination. Actually, in reality, it's probably only about 20, 30% some of the time, if that. But I get a huge, huge amount of information from you, the pet parent, and if I can't speak to you, then really it's like trying to do my job with both hands tied my, tied behind my back. It can take an awful lot longer to reach a successful outcome to make that diagnosis and to get that treatment plan right. So definitely be present if at all possible. Equally, even if you do give a, a, a good history to you know your friend, your family member, the chance of them then being able to relay everything that the vet says to them so that you know exactly what's expected of you with regards to treatment plan, what's expected with regards revisits is is really compromised as well. So there's a whole number of reasons why if you're not present, care can suffer. So I really would encourage you wherever possible to be present with your pet when they go to the vet. Next is to be on time. Now, you might have a chuckle here, you might groan, you might even kind of complain that, hey, hang on a minute, Alex, my vet is always running late. Um, don't tell me to be on time when they can't even be on time. There's a couple of things to uh, at play here. The first is that actually often we've dealt with somebody who's not been on time. You know, we at my clinic, we have standard 15 minute consultations for sick pets. That's often made into a 30 minute consultation so that hopefully we've got plenty of time to, you know, to to examine your pet, to take that history, to work together, to come up with a, a successful plan. But if you've got a 15 minute appointment booked in and you're 10 minutes late, then you know, it's very difficult for your vet to do their job that would normally take that length of time and cut it down to a third of that and to do everything that needs to be done in five minutes. It's just impossible. So what will happen is inevitably the vet will overrun and that will have an impact for the rest of the day for our really busy clinics where there is no slack in the system. And unfortunately, that is often the case at the moment. There is a a global shortage of vets, nurses, technicians, uh, and they're just really struggling to cope with the workload that there is so often there aren't there, there's no slack in the system so if one person is late then that has a knock-on effect and it's very very difficult to catch up sometimes equally 
it might be that a 15 minute appointment's been made, but actually the problem is incredibly complex and it's taken longer than that to come to a successful outcome because we don't just say, right, 15 minutes up, out the door you go. Um, I'll see you in two weeks when the next consult's free and we can carry on from here. No, we keep on going for as long as needed to get to the kind of a, a solution for the, for the day, whatever that is. Equally, if someone's having to say goodbye to their pet uh, and there's a euthanasia uh, consultation, then those can understandably sometimes stretch out to much longer if our clients are really struggling to come to terms with making that decision, uh, having that euthanasia carried out, or they are incredibly distraught afterwards, then it is our job as a veterinary team and my job as a vet to try and comfort my patients as much as my my clients as much as possible to reassure them to help support them and sometimes that takes a little bit longer it also takes a lot out of us as a veterinary team to have to deal with that situation to then jump straight back into another one so those can often overrun there's a whole number of different reasons why consults can overrun equally an emergency may have been rushed in the door they didn't have an appointment Um, it's an animal that's never been seen before but they need seeing right there and then to save their life that absolutely can happen and unfortunately well not necessarily necessarily unfortunately but if your pet is in for a lesser problem they may be bumped down the queue and there might be a bit of a longer wait so there's a whole kind of different reasons why vets can be running late but if you're on time then you can be rest assured that if your vet is running on time and they should be um, in an ideal world then you know they can give you their full attention for the designated time for the full time that's needed without them feeling rushed because equally if as vets we're feeling rushed it may be that we are not well we've got half an eye on the clock rather than both eyes and full attention on our patient in front of us Yes, there are vets who do run ahead of time or sorry, run behind time on a very regular basis. They're often late or they're nearly always late. Now, if your vet's like that, then call ahead to check that the vet is running on time or to ask how far behind they're running late. So if the reception team says, yep, unfortunately, Dr. Smith, yep, he's running 20 minutes late today. You know, you can turn up 20 minutes late and you won't have to wait. Your pet won't have to wait any longer and get more and more stressed because that's something that we do need to consider as well, as kind of I mentioned at the very beginning. Um, But you don't have to worry about holding everything up and being held up yourself. So be on time. Next step, don't forget the details. So we've already touched on how important that history is for me to know exactly what's going on with your pet at home because unfortunately they often don't show the signs and symptoms of whatever it is that they're doing at the vet clinic Um, they save that for when they're at home but just try not to forget the details and it's very easy to ahead of time to to have a think yeah I want to make sure that I let my vet know x y or z but in the heat of the moment in the stress of everything that's going on it's very easy to forget some of those key facts not mention them or forget to mention them when asked by the vet so try and actually write down some of the key facts try and write down when things started happening because that timeline can be very important as well you know how active is your pet are they sleeping more how's their appetite are they drinking more going to the toilet how often's that happening when did they start limping was the cough did the cough start at the same time as the diarrhea you know all of these different kinds of things can help paint a picture of exactly what's going on with your pet whether it's one problem two problems what the timeline is what that deteriorating picture is like or actually is everything maintaining kind of similar levels and okay your pet's not really getting better but they're not getting worse try and write down some of these facts because 
these facts are often the key to cracking the the case, if you like, the key to finding out what's wrong with your pet, to directing which investigation route we go down, which treatment trial started, which um, surgical procedure even is recommended. So try not to forget those details, write them down and take that in with you. Equally, I've just said that our pets often don't do what we're what we can see them do at home so that could be the cough it could be that little tremor that judder that short seizure whatever it is your pet's doing consider taking a video or pictures in with you you know we've all got cell phones in our pockets all the time we're, we're on them far too often myself included but make your pet the star so take a video whenever it is that they're doing what they're doing take some pictures because that really can help your vet narrow down what's going on with that in mind, at number six, I've got trust your vet. This one is really important because if you are going to a vet who you've never met before with a serious problem, you know, that increases the level of your anxiety. You don't know if they share the same philosophies as you. And, you know, a lot of how we approach our patients and our clients you know, from a technical point of view, a lot of vets will do pretty much the same thing and there's not a huge amount of difference between the majority of vets. But actually, the big difference becomes in how we can communicate problems, how we uh, uh, kind of our treatment philosophy, if you like. Do we always recommend the gold standard and nothing but the gold standard, no matter how much that costs and how unaffordable that is? Or are we more than happy to try and work within sometimes severe financial limitations, understanding that we're cutting corners? And so that is a bit of a compromise, but it's better than just doing nothing and holding our hands up saying, if you can't afford things, um, the most expensive thing, because it's the best, then I'm afraid I can't help you. It's really important that you trust your vet um, because also you're then more likely to carry out their recommendations. Um, You're going to you're going to just be more comfortable talking to them in general. And so that information is going to be disseminated much more readily. And sometimes it's those throwaway comments that, um, you know, those conversations that you have with your vet when, you know, you're just kind of almost chewing the fat and, and welcoming each other when you haven't seen them for a while. Those those can sometimes be, again, the keys to the puzzle. And actually, a couple of episodes ago when I spoke to um, Dr. Brian Greger, um, we dove much deeper into the importance of finding a vet you can trust. Next, I've got don't save up problems. This one is incredibly frustrating for me. So we've mentioned consults are 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes uh, for our new medical conditions if we think it's a really serious problem or it's a case that often takes a long time. So skin disease often um, you know, can take a long time, especially if we're trying to take samples in that consultation as well. It can be very frustrating when I am faced with a patient who has come in for one problem, so it might be itchy skin. Oh, and by the way, doc, um, they're really struggling to get up in the morning as well, or they're not, you know, they're limping at the end of their walk. Is there anything I can do about that? Oh, and yeah, their stools haven't been all that solid for the last, um, you know, month on and off. It's impossible for us to tackle three different problems that have potentially been going on for a long period of time within a single consultation. Um and also, if we're saving up problems, we're often then leaving things a little bit too, a little bit longer. I wouldn't necessarily say too late, but a little bit longer than they needed to have been left for. So your pet, even if it's not a threat to their life, they're not going to have been as happy. They're not going to have been as comfortable as they potentially could have been. And that can be going on for some time. So if you do notice a problem, 
it's much better to take timely action and go in with one problem at a time because your vet is going to be able to concentrate on that single problem. You're also going to be able to take on board everything that they tell you that is focused on just that single problem. That's also potentially even going to save you money because if a problem has gone on longer, it typically takes longer on treatment to come right. So, it's going to cost you more money as well. So please don't save up your problems and go in with a long list of everything that your dog has started doing over the last 12 months between their annual health check. Go in at the time, get on top of things quickly. It's going to be cheaper and your pet is going to be a lot happier as a result of that. Okay, and so the penultimate tip is to ask questions, to seek clarification, write things down again as well. It's very difficult to take on board everything that anybody says whenever there's a problem so that could be you go to the mechanic it could be the dentist the doctor yourself it's the same at the vet even with the best will in the world the most concentration you know our mind is often in another place we're worrying about how much is it going to cost what's the outcome going to be is my pet going to be unwell for a long time are they in pain what's the long-term prognosis am i able going to be able to give them the medication that the vets recommended and so often very often and and this is not uncommon at all and it's been proven time and again in various studies we don't remember half of what we're told we actually remember less than that we think we maybe remember about half and actually about 20 percent of that we actually misremember so we think we know what the vet said but actually they might have said something completely different so it's really important that one if if you're not sure of anything if anything doesn't make sense if you uh you know didn't quite hear properly or even you've forgotten just ask the question again don't be shy again this goes back to trusting your vet it sh- you, it should feel being at the vet it should feel like a safe place where you can ask the most ridiculously seeming question you might think oh that, I the vet will just think I'm stupid if I ask this again. Really, we don't. I want you to understand what's going on with your pet. I want you to understand what the information that I'm trying to explain to the best of my ability. Sometimes we're dealing with very, very complicated um, complicated procedures. We're, uh, we're, we're trying to discuss complicated disease processes that that really take an awful lot of knowledge to try and understand completely. And so actually it's sometimes very difficult for us as pet health professionals to explain that in a way that you can clearly understand. And that's not a failing in your understanding. That's a failing in us delivering the information in a way that you can understand. So if you do have questions, really please ask them. If something doesn't seem you know, it doesn't seem quite right, then jump in and clarify it. Equally, if you don't think you're going to be able to kind of provide the treatment that your vet is recommending because, you know, your cat is an absolute devil as soon as a pill comes out and and they're going to tear you to shreds, then there's no point in me telling you to give this pill twice a day and it's going to be a two-week course. It's just not going to happen. So let me know and I can give a an alternative medication. There's topical medications, there's liquids, there's, um, you know, different diets sometimes. There's a whole kind of different um, strategies and approach that we may be able to take with that case. Um, and, you know, really, there's no point in me giving a treatment if it's not going to go into your pet so it's up to then it's then up to me to try my best to find something that will work so please ask questions please seek um, clarification and also write things down so in the consult room scribble down um, you know some notes so that you can remind yourself when you go home and your husband or your wife asks you what the vet said 
you know, it's all gone out of our head by then often. Um, if you're anything like me, it has. Write it down and then you're going to be able to relay that important information very clearly. You're going to have a succinct and clear plan to follow and that's going to improve the care that your pet gets. Equally, the last point to get the most out of your vet visit goes into this as well is to use the whole team so if you're worried about medicating your pet for example and you didn't want to ask your vet because they seemed busy or they had to rush out to an emergency or whatever else ask the nurses ask the technicians ask the reception the the front of house team because they are going to be able to help you they are going to be able to clarify things oh when was it that the vet wanted me to to book in a revisit they're going to be able to let you know they're going to give you strategies for medicating your pet they're going to give you other weight loss tips if that's something that's been suggested so really use the whole team when we think of a vet clinic we don't think of just vets or we shouldn't think of just vets and everyone else just helping the vet do their job we are a whole team and I rely on my nurses to to do the work that I do Um, they play a hugely important role I also rely on my reception team as well to be able to help my clients um, you know follow the recommendations to make those bookings um, to also relay questions to be able to kind of filter those important questions and, and important actions that I need to then get involved in so please use the whole team too helping your pet live the happy, healthy life they deserve. So I guess if I could boil everything down into a short nugget, it would be to take an active, interested role in your pet's veterinary visits. Take a really collaborative approach and together we're going to be able to make sure that your pet either stays as healthy as possible or the chance of your dog or cat being returned to full health as quickly as possible really is optimised. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can find me over on Instagram at Our Pets Health. Send me a DM there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I am on Twitter, not too active there. But, you know, drop me a tweet if that's where you hang out. And I'd love to hear from you. Equally, if you do find these episodes interesting and useful and they actually give you actionable advice, because it's all it's all very well and good learning the, you know, the latest and greatest um, kind of magic cure. But if we're not putting anything that we're learning or we're hearing about into action then it's effectively useless so i really hope that you're able to put most if not all of the information that i give you into action and i'd really encourage you to do that because that's what's going to ultimately make the difference but the other thing i'd love you to do is to share the podcast in general with your friends and family those who have pets in their life let me help them to optimize their pets health so that they can live the long and the happy comfortable healthy life that we all want for our furry family members So until next episode, that's it from me. Next time, I'm going to have another solo show, which is a bit of a rant about um, internet experts, if you like. So make sure you check that one out. Hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're listening to this on so that you don't miss out on that next episode. But until next time, I'm Dr. Alex. This is the Call the Vet show because they're family. That's it for this episode of the Call the Vet show. Be sure to visit callthevet.org to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We'll see you next time.